good Tuesday morning to you from our KAPL studio in rural and beautiful and rainy Rouge, Oregon at Baylor University they injected pigs with serum that clogged their arteries. You always wanted to know about that, didn't you? So just for your info, at Baylor University, they injected pills, pigs, with serum to purposefully clog their arteries why? The study pointed out that the group of pigs that were not under stress did fine. Those pigs they put in a stressful environment, that is with a dog <laughs> next to their cage, they all died. So, my point is, don't let dogs stress you out. Hence, my dog, Winston, is at my parents' house. While the rest of my family, my wife and kids, have been away for spring break. Because I didn't want to die of a heart attack. Well, something like that. <laughs> Here is something more along the lines of I can relate to. 30% of people in the little city nation of Singapore bless their hearts have IBS. Now, you might not know what that is. I certainly do. Where I have that Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, as it's called. Sorry if there's too much information there, but 30% in Singapore have that due to stress, stress that can also, maybe you have a problem with ulcers. In another experiment, a university placed monkeys in a cage with an electric shock every hour. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you all this sad news. Until the monkeys hit a, a bar and then the, the bar would set off the alarm. And the alarm would then cause the electric shock to end. Well, after some time, they found that in these little monkeys, bless their hearts, literally, they found their arteries were clogged and their stomachs were eaten up and kidneys had failed. Living in constant fear can do a work on your body, can't it? The fear of losing a loved one the fear of going bankrupt or getting sick. 
Now Jesus addressed all of this on the Sermon on the Mount. Is it not better to have quality of life than even food or drink, Jesus said. In so many words, he said, is it not better to just run around in your underwear than to be sick with all kinds of clothes? (laughs) Jesus is pointing out that quality of life is more than food and more than clothing. And yet he takes care of the food and clothing, even as he feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers in the field. The birds of the air are fed quality of life. The flowers in the field are clothed quality for the body. The birds of the air, right? He, Jesus points out they neither sow or reap or gather into barns. Now, they neither sow or reap, he says. Jesus is speaking to an agricultural community, right? Kind of like Rush. <laughs> He's speaking to a, to a group of farmers, in that Sermon on the Mount. So he's referring to the normal work, um, the normal work process and progress of the people in his home and his time, where they would wait after they sowed the seed for the harvest. They would wait for the bundles to come, and that would give them their, you know, their quality of life, their good life. Just like now for us, not so much in Roosh, but in Medford, Ashland, (laughs) or whatever city you may live in, we might not necessarily be thinking, man, my quality of life will be great once I harvest the bundles of wheat like they did in Jesus's area and his time. But we might think, oh, what a quality of life that will be once I get that degree from the university or that promotion at work or that title. Then I will have quality of life. And Jesus says, nope, I can give it to you right now. And it has nothing to do with promotions, degrees, or titles. It has everything to do with curing stress, taking away ulcers. (laughs) Out of your belly can come not ulcers and clogged arteries, but rivers of living water. I mean, Jesus uses the example not only of the birds, I mean, I'm sorry, the flowers, but also of the birds, right? So what do birds do all day long? (laughs) They sing, right? (laughs) Otherwise, really nothing except that we can say they eat. God feeds them. 
Jesus said, your heavenly father feeds them. He doesn't say, by the way, their heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father feeds them. And he says, are you not of so much more value than them to God? He's going to take care of you. Don't. I'm talking to myself. Don't stress out. Well, I know the road you're on Where it's leading to There ain't no coming back If you make it through well, It'll cost you everything Nothing to show for it But if you want it better, child Well, here's your chance to go for it The best thing in life Stephanie is free The best thing in life certain I have been taught the key heaven just can't be bought cause the standard is perfection
deadly free The best thing in life Is definitely free You hear what I'm saying? a little tune from the 90s <laughs> the 90s somehow i don't know how i pulled this off but my daughter bailey who's 15 her favorite music is from the 90s how did i do that i have no idea Anyways, when Eve fell, the curse came upon her, and as a part of that curse, not only was childbearing painful, but also God said to her, you will desire your husband, and he will lord over you. That is the curse. (laughs) Two things. You'll desire him. And he will lord over you. The reason why that is part of the curse is because husbands make lousy gods. (laughs) I mean, even if you offer him a burnt offering, gals, for dinner, when you're first married, he's going to make a lousy god because you'll desire him and all he'll do is rule or be disconnected or watch the football game or go to work. That's part of our fall. And poor Eve, what she should have drawn from the Lord, poor wives, what they should draw from the Lord, they try to get from their husband. Same goes for Adam and us dudes. We look to our wives to be what only Jesus can be, and she can't bear up under it. You see, she did not, your wife did not die on the cross for your sins. (laughs) But here's the power. Paul says in Ephesians, Husbands, love your wives. Now, the power is he doesn't just leave it there. Any marriage seminar or book can say that. Husbands, love your wives. But as Christ loves the church and gave himself for the church. You know what this means, dudes? Here's, here's my, my one piece of marriage counsel you'll ever hear from me. I'm not 
a marriage counselor. I do not have a degree or a certificate or anything. But here's the one thing I would say, dudes, my age with wives and kids. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Means this, listen, loving Jesus more only causes a man to love his wife more. Wow. I like hearing myself even just saying that. Loving Jesus more only causes a man to love his wife more because, you see, it spills over. The partner is the beneficiary because the man will be so full of love and peace through Jesus. You see, the problem is, you know this from experience, I'm sure if you're married or if you're single even, The problem is, on the dating scene or in marriage, the problem is when, when empty people are looking to each other to be filled. Oh, man, that's a problem. Because all that turns out is to be empty vessels clanging up against each other. Empty vessels make the most noise (laughs) so guess what come to me all you are thirsty and drink of me and out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water said Jesus rivers of living water that means not only do you benefit but if they're rivers of living water so does your wife so does your son so does your business partner or your employer they get to drink too Because you see, all of the sudden there are rivers flowing, reflowing out of you and you are a blessing. But there's no overflow unless I am spending time with him. Then there is an overflow of love and peace. If I drink from him, There is an overflow, and it's a blessing. So here's my point. Is your marriage going under strife? Here's my advice. Okay, ready? My advice for you is to drink. (laughs) Drink until you get drunk. (laughs) Get drunk. That is, get filled. Paul would say, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, for one reason, this kind of wine has no hangover. (laughs) There's no hangover to the wine that God 
gives. Jesus, there's no hangover because he was hung up for my hangups and yours too. So there's my one piece of marriage counseling. You know how people go to pastors, psychologists, marriage counselors, and advisors with PhDs or what have you when their marriage is in crisis, right? For all kinds of helpful advice or insightful counsel, I only have one thing to say. Loving Jesus more only causes a man to love his wife more. (laughs) And I think it's safe to say vice versa as well.
secret. You know, Caleb, I want to talk to you about his secret. Because, you see, he, he was a strong fella at the age of, yep, 80. So much so that when they're in, heading into the promised land in Canaan, they're in Joshua, Caleb, 80-year-old Caleb, said, I am as strong this day as the day when Moses sent me in. That was 40 years before. That 40 years before, remember, when Caleb was amongst the 10, or I should say 12 uh, spies that were sent in by Moses. And the 10 spies were afraid. They said, we can't take this land. We'll be eaten alive. Caleb says, no, just the opposite. They are our bread. They are our In-N-Out burger, our Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Isn't that a great perspective? Wouldn't it be better to see your giants as your bread rather than something that consumes you? To see it as something you eat up rather than something that eats you up? You could say it's bread for me. Caleb's secret. How was he able to take the land? How was he able to be the one spy of the twelve that survived and took the territory some 40 years later? You know what his secret was? Wonder bread. <laughs> he said, not we're their food. He said, they're our food. They are our bread. In other words, God is using them for us. God is using your situation, sister, brother, listening right now, for your benefit, for your sake, to make you strong. Kind of like the wooden beam for the sale of a mast, right? In a ship. If it breaks, the ship is at the mercy of the waves, right? And the storm. So it needs to be strong. The trees that it is cut from needs to be powerful. Well, your strength your mast is not your ability, not your power, but it is the Lord's strength within you. When I am weak, then I am strong. So this old guy, Caleb, his secret was wonder bread, daily bread, not looking at himself as bread in his circumstances, but looking at his circumstances as his bread? Let's go to the mountains, he says. Why? Because that's where the trees 
had to stand against the elements and the blizzards and the rugged conditions. So like that mast I was talking about that needs to, to be strong or if it isn't, it will. the ship is at the mercy of the waves. Your mast is strong. Your tree is strong. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. And just like those trees as well, God uses the woman and the man that has weathered the storm. Just like Caleb. So rejoice and even feel loved when you're going through storms. When your spouse is getting under your skin or you're bypassed for that promotion. It's bread for you. You know, I don't understand why if something calamity, some kind of disaster happens, it's in our society called an act of God. But if something good happens, then we are, um, we're lucky, right? But for you, it's more than luck. It's just the opposite. It is an act of God. All things work together for good. By the way, when it says that all things work together for good to the knowledge of God, they're in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? The very next verse says, you are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's all working for good. And that good is it's conforming you to the image of his son. That's the good. It's not just good as you see it or what I can comprehend. Sometimes we can't see it nor comprehend it. But the good is it's making you and I more, a little more, like Jesus Christ himself. We will be right back.
You might wonder why I like to talk about grace every single day, Monday through Friday, and then twice as much on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you know why? The hard part of getting rid of one's self, that is the worst part of one's self, the sinful self. The hard part of getting rid of that self is that when I wake up in the morning, it's still there. <laughs> but rather than me dwelling on that, I get to dwell on God is not dealing with me based on my person, but on the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Now I'm a recipient of his grace. That's why I like to talk about grace. God's grace. Jesus Christ. It's because the hard part of getting rid of self is waking up each morning and I'm still there, but I know that God is not dealing with me or you. He's not dealing with me based on my person, but on his son, the blood of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's think about that for a moment, if you're tuned in. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that I can say, like I just did a couple of times, that God is not dealing with me based on my person, but on the blood of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God has given a lot of gifts to a lot of people. But of all the blessings and gifts that God has given, the gift of his son is the blessing that goes beyond calculation and beyond description. I mean, he's given you, right? Me. He's given the world a lot of blessings every single day. But even the heavenly host, the angels, those that are there now in heaven, my grandpa, my sister, my mom, they all know that as good as those gifts are that God has given us, there is the greatest gift. You know that the, literally what Jesus was and is? Do you know that in Romans 8, where 
we are told, if God did not spare his own son, but gave him as a gift. Literally, the word there is the greatest gift. That's how much God loves you. He gave the greatest gift, the very best. So if God did not spare his own son by giving the greatest gift, how much more will he give us all good things? Romans says. I mean, even if God held back on me or you, the blessings day by day that he gives, even if God held back blessings at work or with health or in your family, he still gave the greatest possible gift. For he gave Jesus Christ his own son. But he doesn't hold back. For we read, we read in Romans 8, for along with him, God will not spare any good thing. I'm not going to make a practical application to this. I'm just going to let it stand on its own because God is worthy for us to marvel that he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. As preachers, it's so easy for us to want to try to, now I need to make the application or the interpretation Sometimes it's good just to say there is no application or interpretation that is better than simply God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on that son shall not perish but have everlasting life. Don't I have a great God, he gave his only begotten son. Man, I bet you wish that you were me because I get to talk about this every single day. (laughs) And I wish I was you if that's what you do as well. I wish I was you if you do that at your school where you teach or in the store where you work or at home with your kiddos. What a, what a joy to talk about God. It wouldn't be a joy if God wasn't so good, if God didn't give his only begotten son, but he did. So we go from faith to faith, Romans 1 says. I like that, faith to faith. For you have, Paul said, you've heard this. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the message of salvation, first to the Jew, then the Gentile, and takes us from faith to faith. I'm glad he didn't say, it does not say, And he takes us from faith to works. You know what? 
as a Christian for far too long, I subtly assumed it goes from faith to works. But he says, nope. It's not as though you start out in faith and then you gain momentum or maturity in works. Oh, you do gain momentum and maturity, but it goes from faith to faith. Just look at how John the Apostle differentiates between those that are kiddos in the book of First John. He makes that distinction in John, First John 2. You can look it up. But he makes a distinction between kiddos, young men, and fathers. And the difference between the three is that the fathers simply realize it's all God's grace. The kiddos and the teenagers that he refers to are doing great things, but it's when they realize, wait a minute, it's not from faith to works. It's from faith to faith. That's when you become a father or, if you would, mature. That's a light yoke and burden to carry, right? That's why it's called not the law, nor is it called pretty good news. It is called the good news. All you have to do is rest and receive. Rest, I mean from trying to earn, deserve, or merit favor. Receive. Just receive it because you believe it. And then God gets all the glory. When you believe right, the result will be holiness. But all you have to do is believe right. What is that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Wow. All praise goes to God. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for letting me talk on this Tuesday morning in March. At my house, there's no dog. My mom and dad took the dog. I mean, my wife took the kids to California. My mom and dad took the dog. Think I'm lonely? Think again. <laughs> you might feel alone. You might be alone. But you're not alone. I want you to read the book of Romans. If you feel that way. By the time you reach chapter 8, you will not feel alone. That's my word of advice. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you feel his face shine down upon you. You know why he shines on you? Because he sees you through his son, Jesus Christ. You're a winner. You belong to him. You are a child of the King.
God is good. God bless.